Welcome to the Extra Podcast. This is episode number 240. My name is Greg. I'm hosting. Joining me around the table, Pastor Ezra. What in the world is that? I was here. I was just saying hi. Hey, Ezzy. Uh, <laughs> Did you bring a snake with you, Ezra? <laughs> Are you going to eat it later? It's Pass. a little... It's, it's Have you ever eaten snake, Ezra? No, no, I haven't what? eaten snake. Come on. I've eaten many tastes other, like, many tastes, things. I've eaten termites. Tastes like snakes. chicken. Oh, does it? No, I don't know. Pa- Pastor Jeff is here. <laughs> yep. Everything tastes like chicken. Okay. You can quote me on that. Okay. <laughs> that's what the Matrix was. That totally. That's why everything tastes like chicken. Ugali? Ugali tastes like bark. Oh, please. <laughs> it's a K, not... It does. I was at a church this weekend in Southern California... And they had the uh, they had the what do you call it the the wafer uh, for the communion. Yeah, thank you. I have a cold and my brain's not working very well, so this will be a very interesting podcast from my contribution. But any the little wafer, and uh, it was you put it in your mouth, but it was like one of those really thin kind of ricey ones. I'm sure it was gluten free, Greg. So you could have partaken. Okay, good, thank you. And it honestly it it tasted like. Cardboard, I think it was cardboard. I think thinly sliced cardboard. It, it no, tasted no, 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 like no, no, a little no. piece of ugali. Jeff, 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 I think you have a cold, and therefore your test buds aren't no, working man, today. So you, you wouldn't, you wouldn't know. It was awful. Oh come on, no, you couldn't taste anything. Yeah. So I don't trust you in this one. No. Pastor Kyle Meeker is also here today. Hello, good to be here. He's hey. wearing a Broncos hat. He had yes, you, it was a gift. Are you excited? From two Christmases ago. Yeah, it's going to be uh, hopefully at least a close game. Um, you're a Broncos fan because your wife Broncos. is a Broncos fan. Though. Yeah, but I've always liked uh, the AFC, being uh, a young boy and liking the San Diego Chargers. And actually, the Seahawks, I think, were AFC teams. You mean the Los the Angeles Chargers? Well, yeah, I guess. Um, but <laughs> being uh, married to uh, a girl from Colorado became yeah. also became a Bronco fan. Also became a Bronco. So, but you grew up in New York, right? Yeah, but I kind of rebelled he, he, against the New York teams. Like, he was born, like, though, in uh, Marina Southern, del Rey, California. California. I was oh. actually, I drove two days ago, like 48 hours ago. I was driving on the road right below Kyle, Kyle's birthplace home. And I pointed it out to the people I was with. Kyle Meeker, that's his first house right there. Oh. On the bluff, and I said they moved to upstate New York from that location right there, overlooking the ocean mm-hmm. in Marina del Rey. And everyone in the car thought, "What? <laughs> Why on earth would you move back to upstate New York from there?" Kyle, what's the answer to that question? Uh, lots of things that contribute to God's overall providence. There you uh, go. Nice answer. Nice theological. Stupidity. Nice <laughs> yeah, ignorance. Yeah. You you were born in Boston, right? I was. Ah, so you are very much a New England guy, eh? Well, I was. I was a big Patriots fan for a while because uh-huh. my team, the Seattle Seahawks, always stunk. Uh-huh. And then I decided that I didn't like the Patriots anymore because they cheat. Uh-huh. Yeah, they cheat. Cheat, 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 cheat. And all you Boston fans out there, I just want you to know. Ha, ha. <laughs> You're awful. Oh, dude. it was awesome. <laughs> when terrible. the ball fell to the ground on yesterday, or was on Sunday, when the ball fell to the ground after they were trying a two-point conversion, mm. right? The mm-hmm. angels rejoiced. <laughs> it was ridiculous. I was so happy that they, uh, so happy that they lost. It oh, was man. wonderful. 
Oh, you are so uh, bad. Why? Do, are you? Not, were you not you, happy? Everybody was happy. You know, you mourn with those who mourn, Jeffrey. No, I don't. Now you know what it's like to at the end of the game. Some come so close and fail on the last play. Haha, hmm. <laughs> that's what it's like. Did I see that Tom Brady threw the ball like sixty times in that game? That's all they can do, though, is throw the ball. Actually, Denver did a really good job on their defense, but that's a whole other thing. But anyway, we're big. Okay, Kyle, you're picking. You're picking the Denver Broncos. Go on record right now, Broncos. Broncos in another um, low-scoring, defensively intensive game, um, seventeen to fourteen. Yeah. Wow. I don't think the Broncos are going to win. But I want them to win. I, I would like the Broncos to win, but that's going to be hard to beat the Panthers. Yeah. They're a bit of a juggernaut right now, Kyle. You're going to have to look at that Cam Newton kissing his arm or whatever that thing he does all the time. No, that's Kaepernick. But I don't know. He, do, see, he does some little, what do they call that? Dap? He dap, dabs it? He dap. has a Superman thing, doesn't he? I don't know what he does. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Do they remind you a little bit of the Seahawks from a couple years they ago? They don't. Just don't lots of don't, energy. Don't speak them the in the same sentence with the Seahawks <laughs> from a couple years ago. That's not even close. We'll see how well they do against the Broncos, eh? If they can, if they can, are we all agreed? If they're able to win what forty-six to eight against the Broncos, then we will put them in the same sentence. But I don't think they will. So there you go. Uh, Beating before- Carson Palmer does not a champion make. Oh no, kidding! <laughs> no kidding. Carson, hey, he, he stunk. So before the Super Bowl, they have to play one game called the Pro Bowl. And Jeff, you and I, we were talking about how to fix the Pro Bowl because no one cares about the All-Star game no, for it's the ridiculous. NFL. No, you had a great right. idea. Okay, they needed to turn this into a flag football tournament. Are you listening, NFL? So all you NFL executives who regularly listen to this podcast need to understand <laughs> that, the, that the NFL uh, Pro Bowl weekend is awful. It's awful, but... Nobody likes it. But if you turn this into a flag football tournament <laughs> where uh, like linemen had to car- care, like cover linemen, so you have the, you get to choose your team, but you have to have the same kinds of players on each team. So offensive linemen have to play defense against offensive linemen, and defensive linemen have to play defense against defensive linemen, li- likewise. And then go out for passes, right? everybody's an available receiver, whatever, seven guys on the field at a time or five or whatever it is that you want to do. You count it by points, one point for every score. Come on. You take six, like six full teams, and then you do round robin in two groups, and then you get the top two, and, and you have them. Oh, come on. You wouldn't watch this? I would watch this. I would watch this, absolutely. Just so I could watch, like, Indomitian Sue, like you said, uh, throw passes. Yeah. This would be awesome. No, Kyle, you're not into it? No, I think that'd be a good twist and less likely to get hurt, probably, too. So Kyle's the players a, would like it, I think. Are you a purist when it comes to all-star games? No, not not anymore. But they could mic I've all the jaded. players, and trash-talking would be not only allowed, but encouraged. Mic'd. You'd mic them up. Could you live yeah, mic those, all those guys? No, but you could just have one of those dump buttons, so every time they said something bad, you could dump it. It'd just be that. Yeah, you cut okay. it out. But I think it would be fun to have these guys mic'd up. I mean, I think um, these all-star games are more so for, for the youngest fans, the little kids. Seeing all these superstars together, yeah. No. But for the for no. the adult, for the for no. the true sports fan. No, it's for Madden. <laughs> it is, because that's the team you play with in Madden. It's the all-star that's, team from the last year. Yeah, exactly, that's yeah. That's it. That's it. Mm. There's no point in it at all. <clears throat> hey, so last week we, anyway. talk, we talked about... Um, so yeah, if NFL, if you're listening, you need to make this if. happen. If. 
if for no. all of the NFL executives yep. listening. Listen, I'm talking to you, Goodell. <laughs> uh Last week, I think it was last week, where we were talking about how you feel better if you lose early as opposed to losing late, as in it's better to finish like fifth than second. This, we had a psychology student write in. and Does they, that count for all the way down the line? So if you're like the 76ers? Yeah. You're, you're feeling really good right now? Okay, but I... I you're like, because there's no chance we're going to do well. So, totally. We're out early. You're looking You're looking to next year. There's always so next is, year. So Mariner fans are happier than any other baseball fan ever because <laughs> yeah, totally. we're like, by, by May, we're out of it. <laughs> sure. So this person said uh, they want to assure us that, in fact, there's psychological proof to say that it's easier for an individual to lose early than to lose late. Bronze medalists are shown to be happier overall than silver medalists. We'll see. Hmm. Which goes to my idea of before the whole flag football thing came on the scene, my idea earlier was let's just have a third place game. Uh, yeah. They no would... Pro Bowl and just see who gets a big blue participant. I banner. think the moral to the story is aim low. That way you won't be disappointed. There you go. That's <laughs> <laughs> what I tell my kids oh, all the with, time. With this kids. podcast. Aim low. Dude, I think I think a third place game, like the two losers in the yeah. championships, yeah. should play No, they shouldn't. Here. No, they shouldn't, because the third place game in That'd the in the World Cup Abbotsford? is never taken seriously. They all hate it. Nobody wants to play the game. They Give should me play a break. A, they should play a different sport. <laughs> oh. They should they like should do baseball. Battle of the Network Stars. <laughs> do you remember that? So I'm back in the those of you who are listening who are from the nineteen eighties, you'll remember that. Battle of the Network <laughs> Stars where they used to get the players to do all sorts of Weird stuff and good games. They had commentators too. Didn't they join in on some of the activities? Yeah, it would be they, awesome. The, the announcers or that would be better than the... the Pro Bowl. To have these guys do like different weird events yeah. that we come up with. Egg on a spoon. Yeah, but even like a relay would be great. Right? See yeah. those big fat guys swimming? That'd be <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Diving competition. <laughs> Diving cannonball competition. So NFL? Good. Why are you not this? <laughs> All right, here's our first question for the day. Uh, this listener sent in a question saying, why don't we recommend people to read extra-biblical literature, not as scripture or on par with scripture, but just as helpful? Books like the Jubilees or the Book of Enoch. Why don't we do this? Or what are the dangers of doing this? Oh, dangers of doing it. No, there's no dangers in doing it. Extra-biblical literature is great to re- to read. I've always been a fan of Grisham novels. I know that we're dealing with different things, but I think that there's nothing necessarily good or bad about uh, about reading extra biblical literature. I just think the Bible is qualitatively on a different level because it's the only book that claims to be the very words of God. And I say the only book—I shouldn't say that the Quran claims that as well, but the only one that actually can be, in my opinion, verified uh, to be such— you should write a question in to ask how one would verify that, like why it is that we why is that we value the Bible over something like the Quran or the Book of Mormon? Why why these different texts? That's a good apologetic question, but I'm not going to answer it now. But I will say that I think that it's great to do that. Kyle and I had a class together at a doctoral level where our, where the, one of the guys talking was insisting that we should be we should be reading Plato's Republic because and we should actually be reading it to our church in small groups in small groups with discussions. Plato's Republic. So you should be thankful that we're discerning people and aren't asking you to read 
Plato's Republic. But Plato's Republic is pretty great. It yeah, really it brings is. up a lot of interesting topics and issues, and there's a whole historical context to it. Oh, and yeah. It makes you think through culture and values and how all these things intersect. But my yeah. short answer to the question, and you guys jump in here, is that the, the Bible is the Word of God. And so if you want to hear from God, if you want to hear what He has to say uh, it, it, to the world and, and experience His revelation, you open the words of Scripture. And they are different than the Jubilees, for example, and Esdras and others. But wouldn't it be... Uh, so, like, we will refer people to read books like, hey, you should read this book by Tim Keller, or you should read this book by D.A. Carson, whatever. Right. Why right. Why wouldn't those extra-biblical literature be on the same level of those types of books in terms of being helpful to understand Christianly things? See, I think, um, so, for example, th- there might be some of those books, like, say, Book of Enoch or some of the books included in the Apocrypha that will have some historical uh, things that would be helpful, and then it will also have some historical things that will not be helpful. So then the question becomes, the reader, um, is the reader um, educated enough or qualified enough to actually sift through what would be good and helpful and what will not? Will they have a discerning ear, a discerning eye? When, when, when reading this material and actually figuring out if it is true or not. We don't, we're not saying that you shouldn't read it. Yeah, we're not saying that The question either. is like, okay, but you're asking, should we encourage people to read it? Well, sure. In the same way that if you, look, if you like a good Grisham novel, go for it. That's great. It, it's good for what it is, but it's not qualitatively on the same level as the Bible. Mm-hmm. But I think I think uh, the, the the listener was going. Uh, if if I understood the co- question correctly, they also referenced things like the Book of Enoch, as well. And so the question then would be: Shouldn't we encourage people to read a book like that because it was written and 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 has been um, said? Because it's old. Like, hey, hey, you know, it was Enoch who wrote it because in Jude. Or is it because it's part of the the apocrypha? See, so that's a different question. If the question yeah. is ultimately, well, why is the apocrypha not on the same level as the scriptures? That's a different question. Then that that then okay, but um, and so I'm I'm happy to answer that question, but not now. You'll have to write that one in. I've already given people two questions. See that? There you go. They won't write it in though. Kyle has say, something to say. I can see it. I was just thinking about how um, to be conversant and informed about the culture is really helpful. So reading some of those extra biblical material can help you understand the the broader context and culture better. So in that sense, it's helpful. Um, I would say, you know, a Piper or Keller, somebody that's more um, contemporary with us, will bring up more things that are more relevant to us right now. So that can be really, really helpful as well. Uh, everything goes back to Scripture because that's the the basis of of our knowledge. Because God God said it and God wrote it. Um, Paul, even in Athens, quotes uh, a poem, and it says, In him we live and move and have our being. And if you go back to that, that poem that he's quoting, that, that reference in the poem was to Zeus pretty explicitly. So he, he pulls out truth from that context, but reframes it and says, No, it's not really Zeus. It's one God who made heavens and the earth, and he's shown himself yeah. through the man Jesus Christ. So he takes a little bit of the truth that's in that, uh, but reframes it and recasts it um, in in the true biblical worldview. <clears throat> there you go. That's great. All right, here's another question. Uh, this listener says, lately uh, he's noticed lots of attention on a church called Bethel. 
and the supernatural signs and wonders that are happening there and how um, how the Holy Spirit is at work in the church, things like healings and uh, words of knowledge and gold mm-hmm. dust mm-hmm. flying around. Um, this person said, I've witnessed incredible miracles and healings myself, and I can't help but wonder if this should play a greater role in our church. So how should we interpret signs and miracles in the church? Are they works of the Holy Spirit, and what view does Northview hold on this topic? So there's a lot of kind of rolling around connected ideas there. Um, we don't have to kind of go through exactly line by line of what I just said, but in general, what's what's the feedback to some of the stuff that people have heard about what's going on at Bethel in terms of some of the works of the Spirit, and uh, how, how should we think about that as a local church ourselves? I mean, maybe I could just start by saying uh, the first place to start this conversation would be to ask... When the local, when the body of Christ gathers on a weekend, uh, one day a week, what are we gathering for? And I think I would say we are gathering for two things: one, to worship the Lord, and to hear His word. You know, we meet to gather. We gather to worship. We gather to hear His word uh, in fellowship with one another. Mm. That's that's the purpose for our gathering here. Now, obviously, there'll be other things that may take place in that gathering, but the primary reason we gather together. Is to worship the Lord and to hear to hear the word. Okay, let me. Right. Yeah. So let me <clears throat> say it this way. I think that what when we gather together as a church, our goal is is the edification of the body. Yes. Right. So I'm getting that from First Corinthians 14, which is a very interesting text given this this question. Hmm. So here's here's a church that was very uh, active in what we would consider the supernatural. Hmm. Um, and yet Paul, when he comes along and he wants to tell them about what they should prioritize in the gathered assembly of the church, he's, he starts talking about how those who have the gift of uh, prophecy are better than those who have the gift of tongues. And by better there, I mean more useful to the edification of the body. Not better in terms of their gift, but when the church gathers, the gift of prophecy it, it, or, or teaching... Um, those, those aren't the same thing. I'm saying that that's another mm-hmm. gift that he points out in 1 Corinthians 12. But those things have more edification power. And so as a result, they should get more primacy in the gathered assembly. So when we get together, we do things that, in my opinion, fit fit prophecy. We don't actually do as much as we we should, which, by the way, is, I mean, Wayne Grudem's definition of prophecy is God bringing something spontaneously to mind. And so I I think that when we give testimony to what God's doing in our lives, that's, that's, that's what I... Is prophecy, and it's not always as as crazy as some people might point out. But it is also sometimes, you know, I I got a vision from the Lord, or I got a picture in my head that of a stream, and this church is like a stream that's going to be helping, or you are like a stream or a bridge that's going to help this or that. I mean, those are the kinds of images that sometimes the Lord does, and the the people in the church reflect on it. We actually invite at times the prophets to. Um, speak to our, our elders or are very open to that. If somebody comes in and has a prophecy, we ask them to write it down and we give it to the elders. And if we feel like it's a, it's something that their church needs to hear generally, then we'll, we'll do that. But our big goal is gathered in the gathered assembly is the edification of the body. So the question you have to start asking yourself is what kinds of things edify the body more than others? And we're going to go mm-hmm. with Paul here. And we, seem, we think that teaching the Word of God actually has that Primacy. We also believe that singing together has an edifying quality. We mm-hmm. think about talking about family events has an edifying quality. 
So you can you can say, well, I think this other stuff has edifying quality too. Well, it's a great discussion to have. It really is. But that's what we're after when we do that. Mm-hmm. So can I turn the page? So that's what we're doing, and that's why is doing. it that we don't yes. necessarily have miracles? I will say this, that in the New Testament, the miracles that Jesus performed actually are um, uh, they're, they're window dressing for the message, right? I mean, they, they are adorning the message. That's yes. the goal. Yes. Okay? Je- Jesus is, is more concerned and interested in the message of the kingdom than he is in the miracles. This is a major point that I really want people to agree with. <laughs> That when you look across the New Testament, I want you to find go go through the New Testament and find places where the miracles happen, and and where Jesus at times even won't do them because he's committed to the to the message. More than In fact, the I'm thinking about Mark, yeah. early chapter of Mark, where Jesus, you know, he could go down and heal everybody. He says, "No, I'm going to go preach to the other towns because that's why I came." Right. So. I'm I'm saying that the the miracles, even when Paul performed, it wasn't about the miracle. The miracle actually just gave him an opportunity to speak the word in those settings. Think about Peter at the temple when he heals the the lame man. Right? Mm-hmm. He starts preaching. This is the early chapters of Acts. Am I right? Acts three, Acts two, Acts two. Yeah. Anyway, he he starts preaching there because of the miracles done. So it affords him the opportunity. This is often backwards in many churches, and I'm not necessarily speaking about Bethel here, but in churches that generally, when it talk when that that are into this, they oftentimes the message comes first, and then and now it's time for God to do stuff. So watch what He can do in healing and things like this. I mean, mm. I watched Benny Hinn and those sorts of things, and that certainly seems to be Benny Hinn's. All doctrinal error aside, the the protocol or the method that he he's after is let's let's preach a little bit, and then we'll do. The stuff, the real stuff, the stuff that really is what everyone really wants. No, 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 no. The stuff is the word. Okay, yes. the other stuff attends to the word, and it doesn't need to be a, a miracle necessarily of God healing someone. Although that that's awesome when He does. Mm-hmm. It can also be the the good works being done by the church and and the care shown in very practical ways as well. Mm-hmm. These sorts of things. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so that's. My next thing. We need to talk, though, I think, about the church in, in Reading. Do you guys have anything to add to those two first bits? Go ahead. No, I think I think you've summed it up pretty good. Like, I, I, I wouldn't have any qualms with what you said there. So, Ezra, let me ask you this question. Ask. Does the performing of miracles verify the one who performs them as being a true man of or woman of God? Absolutely not. What? Absolutely not. Now you have to prove reason, that to me, Kyo. Yes, I mean, go to go to uh, third world. Go to Africa, or let's even get I'd more like personal. To. Come to my village, and you will see a lot of miraculous things that are happening. Things that you would say that are supernatural occurrences, where sick people get better, where. Um, People who who were deaf, blind, whatever they they see, but yet there was no Christ being proclaimed there. It was a witch doctor who made that happen. So then the question becomes, uh, how did that happen? So are you saying that the miracles that are happening at Bethel? Then, by the way, by miracles, I'm putting those in air quotes, mm-hmm. not because I don't believe they're happening, mm-hmm. but because. I, I would love to have some verification about some of the the gold dust thing is very common for people to talk about and yeah. it's 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 notoriously not verified. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. even if it is, fine. Put mm-hmm. miracles in the air quotes. 
people getting healed and stuff. Praise God. I think it's awesome. People getting healed. It's yes. great. Yes. You're saying, you're not saying mm-hmm. that what's happening at Bethel is demonic. No, I'm not saying that. You, But I'm, you're not saying it. it isn't either. Yes. I'm not saying you're that You're just either. saying that... Not everything, not every that miraculous there's a spirit, act. There's a spiritual world. Yes. And there are things that happen in, in the spiritual world that are, you know, like, or healing or these sorts of miracles that happen or things that we would call miracles that aren't necessarily signs that the person who is doing them is, is right. So I'm thinking yes. about a passage, for example, mm. like Matthew 7. Yes. 21. Well, I'll go in 15 okay. to start. Beware of false prophets. This is Jesus at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing. Notice, okay, notice first the image. Mm-hmm. False prophets, sheep's clothing. sheep's clothing. Which means they're wolves. But uh-huh. inwardly are ravenous wolves. So they look the part. Well, you're going to have to think, okay, what does that mean? How do they look the part? Here's some other images he uses. You'll recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from... Then you might think, oh, fruits, yeah, the miracles they do. Well, hold on. Grapes gathered from thorn bushes, figs from thistles. So every healthy tree bears good fruit. Diseased tree bears bad fruit. Healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. So everyone's thinking, what's a fruit? Yep. Right? What is, what's a fruit look like? Okay, here we go. Mm-hmm. Not everyone, verse 21, who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who, ready for it, does the will of my Father who is in heaven. That's it. That's the fruit. That's the fruit. On that day, day of judgment, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not, here's, here's the stuff. This is how I know that these aren't the fruits. Prophesy in your name cast out demons in your name, and do many mighty works in your name. Mm-hmm. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So he, like, my point is that here's a very real situation where there are many who are going to stand before God who say some good things like, Lord, 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 even Orthodox confessions even at points. Yes. They even do a lot of big-time works, right? Mighty miracles, casting out demons, that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. But God, Christ doesn't know them because why? They don't do what he says. They don't do what he says. In other words, their fruit of obedience to God, both doctrinally and uh, in life, doesn't match. So, so in other words, so, so what? How do you judge? Some, my point is, how do you judge somebody at Bethel by their fruit, lifestyle, right? By doctrine mm-hmm. and by lifestyle. Mm-hmm. This is what this is what Paul said to Timothy: Watch your life and your doctrine closely. Save yourself and your hearers. I mean, he's a pastor, so I don't care how many cool things you can do. I really don't. I think I think it's awesome that people get healed. I really do. Praise God for that. I think it's awesome that God in his in his kindness is. Is, is is permitting healing or giving it at places, but that doesn't necessarily verify the the teachers of it. So here's my turn then, and I'm inviting Kyle into this to start speaking a bit about this because we've we've done some reading and some other things that Bill Johnson and Bethel Church are uh, part of what's called the New Apostolic Reformation, and there are serious doctrinal problems with this group, namely that they believe that the uh, the apostles of the New Testament have uh, are are people who actually that that's that level of authority 
is actually alive in the church today. And not only is it alive, it should be alive. And the reason that the church all the way up to this point hasn't been able to bring in God's kingdom is because they've ignored the apostolic leadership around them. And so Bill Johnson calls himself an apostle, and others call him an apostle. On the same level as Paul On the same and level. Peter well, he, might, he might quibble with the same level of Paul of Peter, but practically speaking, yes. And they will do things like say, well, there's the... There's the there's the uh, a pastoral reading of a Bible passage, and then there's apostolic reading of a Bible passage. The pastoral reading is, yes, reading it in context, stuff we talk about on our podcast all the time, right? That person's incorrect in their reading of that text because it doesn't fit with historical, grammatical, or literary context. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the pastoral reading, they say. But then there's the apostolic reading, which is basically, who cares about the literary, grammatical, or historical context, I'm an apostle and I get to say what it says. And it says this. And so they make it say all sorts of different things and uh, say then... To bring that, new meaning Right, to the text. absolutely. And they have the right then to establish basically new doctrine. Mm-hmm. Okay? About all sorts of things. Present day things. And, and the church will only ever really conquer Satan ultimately, or when I say that, conquer... Claim what's rightfully hers in the world when we give our the authority to the apostles, like Bill Johnson and others. That's a troubling thought to me on a number of levels. Biblically, I, I think that the way they are understanding apostle is wrong, mm-hmm. but I and the present day validity of it is wrong. But a number of things that they've said. I mean, I honestly, I've heard Bill Johnson say things about the Trinity that aren't orthodox. Like historically, he would be considered a heretic for that. So I'm I'm saying that there are some significant problems doctrinally with what it is that they're saying. Their music at Jesus Culture is great. It sounds really good. A lot of the words are excellent. They have a kind of what's called a dominionism that's very troubling. Dominionism is the belief that you're, you, we're going to take over the world with the application of certain kinds of methods, and that that's the promise of the church. I actually think that the that Christ is going to actually come and redeem what is his, ultimately. But I don't think the church in the present day is responsible to go and to do this. So anyway, there's lots of different challenges doctrinally. Kyle, jump in here. Yeah, the phrase is the new apostolic reformation. Uh, So it's not simply the um, new insight from the scriptures as far as an apostolic reading of it. Um, And it's not simply the, the... restoration of apostle being more than just someone who was sent, but then going back to the original apostles and having that authority. Um, but in that authority, all the churches, all Christian churches across the globe should at some point come under the authority of the new apostles. Um, so, um, and there's a whole bunch of them. It's not know, just build, I mean, it's a yeah, whole yeah. bunch of apostles, people. In fact, they believe, the New Apostolic Reformation believes that every city has apostles, and they're usually the, the pastors of the largest churches. So, like, I would be an apostle in their minds, and I would need to take up my mantle as an apostle, and then I surround myself with a bunch of prophets who hear from the Lord and inform me about what God is saying, and I, of course, often can hear what God's saying as well. And So we get together in our prophetic and apostolic councils at the beginning of the year, and we say to everyone, this is what the Lord says for 2016. What's crazy about it is what the Lord says for 2016 is always positive. Hey, it's going to be a turnaround year. It's going to be a, it's going to be a, a year of blessing, a double blessing. 2014, it was a year of du- double blessing because seven plus seven is, see, seven's a perfect <laughs> number, and then you get another seven and see 2014. And last year was a t- there was a turnaround. I mean, like it depends on who you're hearing, and I've listened to several of these folks, and it, it it's. 
it's really remarkable and very untrustworthy. You want to hear a sure word from God? Open up those scriptures and read from the real apostles. It'd probably also be helpful, just, I don't know, you, sorry, I may have said it before, but that it's not exactly a defined, rigid movement in terms of it being an organized thing, all of these different apostles. There's there's different things that they hold in common, a lot of these people, but it's not like you can Google the movement and find a defined leadership group with an accountability board and all that kind of... No, no there, it's, it revolves around uh, largely American pastors who are, are now considered apostles. Right. Yeah. There are others in other parts of the world as well that, that have claimed up this, but there's massive networks happening. Just And as an aside, there are some really uh, ex- good things happening in many of these churches. not like these churches are all bad and evil or anything like that. It's just there are many, many good things. There are people I'm getting healed. There are people being delivered from, from uh, addictions. I think it's awesome that those things are happening, but those things don't verify and endorse the doctrine, right, of, mm-hmm. of the person, mm-hmm. or say that that person is somehow a good guy. You'll know them by their fruit. Yes. Right? And what is fruit? Well, you say to me, Lord, you don't do what I say. So what does Jesus say? Mm-hmm. Do you believe what Jesus says? And I, this is where I have trouble. I think that the big, the big deal would be a lot of people, a lot of um, just average, ordinary folk, church folk, when they hear that there is so-and-so who's, who has a meeting at a such-and-such place and that person is doing all these miracles and it seems like God is really upon this person because if he's making cancer disappear from an individual or making a lame person walk or whatever and you're seeing these things that are totally supernatural and the person is talking about Jesus, the number one assumption is the anointing of God is upon this person. And then the question becomes, is it? But the book of Acts has, is filled with, with Jewish uh, exorcists, for example. The story of the seven sons of Siva, where these guys go in and they try to cast out the demon. The reason that they go in and they use the name of Jesus or Paul, you know, in fact, I think that that's the language they use. I, I cast you out in the name of the Jesus, Jesus, who, who Paul, Paul preaches. About, yeah. So and the demon's like, well, look, I know Jesus. We know, you know Paul, but who are you? Mm-hmm. So... And my my point is those that these these Jewish exorcists by going into this room and utilizing this incantation, you need to know that they actually had success. This in is like like right. this is what Ezra's pointing out when he says about the 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 witch doctor the witch doctors in his town. It's not like the witch doctors don't they they get business because they have some success. It's and not people always know. successful. Yeah, people know that these people can right, do stuff. and that yep. they have power in the spiritual realm, and mm-hmm. so as a result, they go to this particular individual. And so I'm, I'm just saying that, that it doesn't prove anything one way or the other. What, what proves it is life and doctrine. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so they need to be evaluated on that ground, right? And Not only by the God, God knows that thing. I have questions about the doctrine of Bethel Church. I have questions about it. I don't know Bill Johnson. I don't know his life. So I can't make any judgments about that. But I do know that the doctrine and what they've expressed has been very questionable on several points. All right, we're going to move on to another question, if that's all right with you guys. Or did you want to summarize? No, it's anything? good. We're, I think we're it's good. Move on. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, can, I, can I say something really quickly, though? Yeah. Uh, we, we don't go out of our way to, to talk about people 
on our podcast who, you know, that's not our, our goal is not, and has never been to be like, uh, you know, witch hunters or anything like that. We were responding to a question that was asked. I just want to make sure that that's clear for people who are listening, that our goal is actually just to answer the questions as honestly and forthrightly as we can. And, uh, we try our best using our, the, the knowledge we have of scripture and the study that we've done to understand these things and put them in biblical categories. Uh, I also think, though, that it's appropriate at times for us to say the names of people, right, who are out there. And then what my concern with Bethel Church ultimately is that it's become more and more prevalent, largely because of the music, Jesus Culture music, and likewise Hillsong has become so popular. And I love, I actually think Hillsong makes some really great music, and Jesus Culture makes some really great music. But my fear is that people will think, oh, since we're singing their songs, we endorse their doctrine. No, that's not true mm-hmm. at all. Right, I'm not a Wesleyan, but I'll sing songs by Charles Wesley. Right, I will, I will. I don't always hold all the viewpoints that Fanny Crosby held, but she's old, the singer. She's a hymn writer. But do you see what I'm saying? I, my, I just want to make sure that you understand that we're 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 putting a big old yellow flag up over that. If you want any resources about this sort of stuff, you should write in. We can give you a whole bunch of lists about uh, people who have engaged with this and are doing it fairly and honestly. What's the name of the book that all of us have read a couple of books on this subject? So, uh, God's Super Apostles. Right. Doug Givet. Is a good one. Yeah. Givet, G-E-I-V-E-T-T, is the author. You can Google that if you're interested at all in the New Apostolic uh, Reformation. There's a more scholarly one, and then there's a... An entr- like a like a pastorally one, pastoral one, and the pastoral one is God's super apostles, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. great. Here's another question. This has to do more with uh, our weekend services, more in particular. This listener said that they've noticed um, pretty regularly that people will be leaving after the message and leaving during the the next set or worship set or or whatever. Um, the listener said that obviously some people have really good reasons to leave the church because or leave the service because maybe their kids screaming and the numbers on the board or whatever. There's good reasons, but it seems like a lot of people are leaving all at once, and it might have to do more with the parking lot than it does with <laughs> other reasons. So the listener was just curious about what the perception is of that uh, from the pastoral team's perspective. What what is it? What do we think about people leaving early? Ezra, <laughs> what do you think, man? Yeah, how you feel about that, bud? <laughs> no, I, I think um, I don't want to be a Pharisee on this. You are, to, though. To, to, <laughs> no, I don't. No, I am, no I'm not. Well, I, I mean... There's Christians people, and there's those people, people who don't leave the early. People, the people who leave the service early, I want to give them a benefit of the doubt. I don't know why they, they would leave. I, I, maybe they have... Uh, uh, an urgent appointment they need to go to. Some people have shift, uh, shift work people, and so praise God that they are here. And, and some of them want to beat the traffic. And, and and some want to beat the traffic. I will say, I will say though, um, when when the when the worship service starts from the beginning to the end, it's a it's a whole, it's a full loaf. It's a it's an ex, it's um, <laughs> Kyle, stop laughing. It's it's an experience. Um, and, and an event that we want to all participate in as uh, children of God. And so I think it is edifying for the body, not just for yourself, but for the people beside you and the people who have taken the time to sing along with you yeah. uh, and to prepare the songs for you, that we all worship together and edify one another as we glorify God. So I think it would be most edifying to the entire body if we all began well together 
and we stayed through the service together and we finished together and exit together. Yeah. I think it's more edifying to everybody rather than So are you going to stand up in front of the congregation and chastise them for leaving? See, I don't I don't know if I would chastise people because again like I said at the beginning, I don't I don't know why no, people are leaving. Right. There, there'll be people who are in massive pain. Yeah. And therefore, they'd have to. The others who are claustrophobic, and just being in a room, a lot of people is raises the anxiety anxiety level. So, if they need to step out at the end of the service, just so that to to get a little bit of air, hey. So, so the, I'm not gonna. In this room right now, we have three of the regular members of our teaching team: me, Ezra, Kyle. Or sorry, me, Ezra, um, Greg, Greg, and Kyle is leads our our teaching associate ministry. He he's the mentor to them. Okay, when you preach or teach, mm-hmm. you see everything, don't you? Oh, mm-hmm. you do. This is what most people don't understand, is that you think no one sees you from the front. Like, So can I... This, I'm Jeff speaking from the heart for a minute. You can help me preach better. And there are ways to do that. You, you can look, look at me. You can smile. You can look engaged, and thank God there are lots of people who are like that. But if you start whispering to your friend next to you while I'm preaching and 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 giggling, you know what I'm thinking? Did I say something I, funny? Yeah, or my flies down? Totally. I, my first thought was my flies. Like down. there's something wrong with that. Now you yeah. you think well, there's all these people in this room. Surely that's not. Nope, that's what I'm thinking, <laughs> and that's what all of us are thinking. When you're whispering, you think, well, they can't see me. Yes, I can. I'm looking right at you. I'm looking right at you. There are people in our congregation who look at me the whole time while I'm preaching, and they don't know that they are they are actually some of the greatest helps to my preaching ministry in the church. They don't even know who they are. But the fact that they're engaged and they're looking at me, there's a couple of ladies in a couple of the different uh, services at, at in the worship center who just look bright-eyed and are smiling and just really engaged. And when, when it's funny, they, they laugh. And when it's not and serious, they're, they're, you know, they just, their facial expressions, it's like talking to someone and right now. If they're nodding at mm. you, you're like, oh, okay, yeah, you're with me. I see that. But then if you have your arms folded, right? Or as we've had in the past, we've made jokes before about some people who like the moment like the moment you start preaching their mouths go open and heads go back and you're like, "Oh my goodness, really? I didn't even get a chance." And you're already snoring away. Give me a break. Like that conveys something to me. So, I'm saying all that because when you stand up and you leave, you're conveying something not just to the people who are preaching but to the worship leaders. You don't think you are. Like, because you're just one of the however many people there. You know, you don't matter. Whatever you do, too, you totally matter. When Jonathan stands up in the worship center and starts leading the last few songs, and he's given a lot of time to thinking about it and practicing it, right? Mm. And you you don't, you go. Or I'll also be a little bit forthright about the people who don't, like, you, you stand there and you don't sing. You just stare. You know what it's like to be playing music or you know, given your heart and have people just stare at you, you feel like you're in the zoo. <laughs> you think, put yourself in those shoes. That's why you don't ever go up in front of anyone. Mm-hmm. It's because you're freaked out of your mind that someone like you will be sitting in the room staring at people like they're cows in a zoo. Cows aren't in zoos. No. <laughs> Maybe in some places. That would be a zoo. You know, Do you I, understand what I mean? Though? Totally. Yes. I think the, 
the mindset is that because it's a big room and there's a lot of chairs in the room that individuals somehow lose their, like now they're just a part of a, some cloud, some collective, some yeah. collective skin tone cloud. And, but what's funny is if there was no mic, people, many of the people in the room are close enough to say, Hey, how's it going <laughs> from totally. on stage? The yeah. miking is for, you know, even sound and all that kind of stuff. It's not because people are so far away that there's no way they'd be able to hear us if we were just talking in the same right. room. But for whatever reason, we enter into a different headspace when we go into places like Center Court and the Worship Center. I think West Court, it's people know that they can be seen in every single spot in the room. Right, it's smaller. Because it's smaller, room. so yeah. people just know that going well, Sunday night gathering. And up in Mission, yeah. I think that they're... No, even at Mission, I think that they're aware. They're not as aware because there's a large enough group of yeah. people who are there... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like if you go to the bathroom every time I preach a sermon, you're not fooling anybody. <laughs> you just don't want to be there. <laughs> like I, 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 I know that. Right. I get that. Maybe yeah, you don't, maybe you don't. you don't. You don't like me. I get it. I get it. Can you imagine every time you started to talk, <laughs> I just said, "I'm out. sorry, I got to pee." <laughs> right. You get up and you and you just left. Can you imagine doing that? So I'd never do that. I would never do that at someone's house. I'm looking at you, and you're doing it. <laughs> No? You have a second conversation in your mind while you're teaching and preaching, yeah. don't you? I mean, there's oh, what yeah. you're saying out loud and that you're hearing, but in your mind, you're thinking, why Why are they whispering to each other? Those two people keep whispering yeah. to each other. It's not like it's just once. They keep doing it. Yeah, and you're what wondering, are they doing? what are they saying? Did Dude, they say what something I wrong? I know, I-, I know I look stupid. Listen, I know it more than anybody else. I get it. <laughs> so like, I, I have to look at myself in the mirror every day. Yeah, what, you only have to do it once a week. What trauma? Like I get it, I get it. But so, please don't whisper about me. So you say, "Well, I'm not whispering about you." Yeah, but I don't know that. So here, here's a little tip for our listeners: if you want to be an encouragement to the preaching team, and you'd actually be, or the worship leaders, let's, let's worship throw them leaders, in as well. The places to sit are primarily the two middle sections because yeah. that's where Jonathan would most likely see you. That's where the preacher would most likely see you. In the, the worst the, center, yeah. The sides are the hardest spots for us to see. So if you're a constant walker and arm crosser... Hey, just go to the back row on the go, far side. <laughs> and we won't notice. No, and then it's a it. non-issue. Whereas yeah. if you're in the middle two sections, we can see you really well. Right. But, but, so that's just the preaching. The worship leaders, though, are right. in every room. Right. And if you decide to leave early, you just need to be thinking to yourself. I mean, in your in your warmest Canadian cultural spirit, am I being rude? Because mm. you don't think you're being rude because you think I'm going to just sneak out. There, nobody's sneaking anywhere. <laughs> you, there is no sneaking. No, there's no sneaking. You, you're being when you, seen. When you leave, you're being seen. You're being seen by them. You're being seen by other people. So I'm just, I'm speaking from the heart. I'm just saying, I'm encouraging you yeah, stick it through. You know what? So you're going to be in the car next to five minutes. You can talk about how dumb I looked there or how dumb that was or whatever. You can talk about whatever it is that you're going to whisper and talk about. You can talk about it there. But there is a kind of help you can provide to both those who are leading and preaching and also the people around you. You can help them think, actually, this is important because most people who are leaving, they actually do think it's important. Hmm. Not what they're leaving to, but they, they actually, if you ask them at the doors, hold on a second, we're not going to let you leave. Till you answer these four questions, you know whatever. Here's the first question: uh, Do you think that church is important? They'd be like, "Yeah, of course I am. That's why I'm here." <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And so I, I have the warm. I mean, I, I believe good things about all those who are leaving. I just, just would like them to consider perhaps that 
you're doing something that you would never do in any other setting anywhere. Yeah, would we say would we say then that uh, if you're if you're leaving for a non uh, for, for a reason that is not legit, like you're leaving because you want to beat the traffic, okay, that's not a legit. Question. Well, but this is a, a like a football thing. like you went to a football game or if you went <clears throat> you fake pick your favorite sport, hockey or whatever. Yeah, you leave early. But I'm telling you right now, right now that Henrik Sinin doesn't care. He doesn't see you. Like he doesn't know you came. He doesn't know you didn't. I know you came. Although people, sports teams will say that when crowds leave on mass, it just kills them. Yeah. It's like it's like the crowd has decided you have lost this game. I know there's six minutes left, and I know you're down by two, but you're done. And so even there, the, the mass leaving, I think, is... Yeah, the mass leave. Yes, but do you understand? It is it is different, though, because when you go and you watch a sporting event, uh, they're not paying any attention to you at all. Mm-hmm. But I am paying a lot of attention to you. I mm-hmm. really am. Mm-hmm. I, I am. Even on the sides, I can see in my peripheral vision. I only look. We only look to the middle because it helps the camera so that people can see us without having to look at our ear hole. Mm-hmm. You can help. That's my point, Kyle. This summer, um, visited some family in Colorado, went to a Colorado Rockies game, and um, they're down by, I don't know, four runs, and it's like the... It's not uncommon. It's, yeah, and we're like, okay, we had fun, you know, we had some good food, and, and so kids were getting tired, it was getting late, so we'll make the trek out, you know, get on the bus and go to the end of the parking lot where our car was. Uh, so get on the bus, go to the end of the parking lot, get in the car, and then... Um, as we're making that 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 travel, we're starting to hear some roars from the stadium. Mm, yeah. We get in our car, turn the radio on, and the Rockies come back from behind. It's this great dramatic victory. I'm like, oh, it's because you weren't we, there. Though. At least we heard it. You changed um, the juju. But the <laughs> uh, the worship service is designed as a as a whole and to kind of lead us through, um, mm. you know, knowing more about God and learning more about ourselves and and digging into Scripture and praising Him with song and and through prayers and all these different aspects. So mm. um, it's it's designed to be a, a whole. And if you leave early, you miss out on you know that bottom of the ninth inning, <laughs> game winning home run. And there it is. Well, because. You- there's a game-winning home run at the end <laughs> of every service. service. It's called the benediction. It is. Hey, thank you guys for being here and giving your words and insights. Appreciate it, Jeff. Hope you feel better soon. Yeah, you're in rough shape. You're you're like know. melting. Oh, no kidding. <laughs> you are not. Yeah. Good times. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast. If you have questions, please email them to extra at northview.org and we will see you at church on the weekend. For the whole thing.